As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we will discuss the breaking news that Spencer Dinwiddie has a partially torn I think left ACL. Uh, we will talk about how it impacts the Nets starting rotation, their bench, and uh, everything else. Plus, of course, the Nets loss to the Charlotte Hornets. Womp womp. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hi. Hi. What's I mean, up? you could find us. You could find us on Twitter <laughs> if you want to at BK Glue Guys. You could also search for us on NetsDaily.com. You can also get much more from us at TheAthletic.com. But Brian, <sighs> what? What do you want? Sad. Sad. <laughs> you want? What do you want? You want to talk to me? You want to hear uh, something? Uh, what I have Spen- to say? If, if we are breaking the news to you, I apologize that Spencer Dinwiddie is done for the year. He is a partially torn ACL. Um, Brian, I called you. You didn't pick up. And then you called yeah. me. I didn't pick up. And then I called you. And then you picked up. And what did you say? You said it starts now. It starts. Basically. Now it begins. I don't know. And I think everyone knows what the- if you've been watching this team for however long we have all our all our stupid lives then you know what this means it 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 begins now that's just the fear that's the that's the um the the ptsd that we live with as as nuts fans coming through yeah, coming to the service it, yeah and i you know it's it 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 is um it really sucks because the th- you know Brian and I had been talking about you and I had been talking about the fact that Dinwiddie's place in the starting lineup was kind of uncomfortable like he was trying to figure out his role uh you know he could have been a trade candidate and all that stuff Nets Twitter loves to throw Spencer Dinwiddie into trades national media likes to put Spencer Dinwiddie's name in trades um Dinwiddie is going to be could be a free agent next year he has a player option though um which could mean that he, you know, decides I'll still go be a free agent 
because, you know, guys come back from eight torn ACLs all the time. It's not like the end of his career or anything like that. But regardless of like his early season uncomfortableness, I mean, it's only two and a half games that he played. Dinwiddie is an incredibly crucial part of this team. What was exciting about him, about playing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, is that Dinwiddie has shown an incredible elasticity as a player over his career. It was exciting to see who he was going to evolve into between Durant and Irving. And instead, he is done for the year uh, because of his injury. Brian, I know that you've been probably the biggest Dinwiddie supporter on the internet. Do you feel that way? Because that's how I that's how I feel. But I don't know if that's being if that's if that if you're saying that ironically or not. No, I think I think you you have as much faith as anyone in Spencer Dinwiddie's ability mm. to ascend to a higher. I mean, he had did. There's the crazy stat about Dinwiddie is that his scoring average had increased. Each of the past six years, six mm-hmm. seasons, he's been in the NBA. I mean, it started obviously from like two points per game, but it all the, rose all the way to 20 points per game was an all-star consideration. Yeah. And now he's done for you. How can you not love Spencer Dinwiddie? I mean, he is the best, most, um, he's a, a ferocious wit as well as just like <laughs> one of the most kind of like most understandably self-serving players in basketball. Like in, and I mean this in like the best, most like idealized version of being self-serving, like in, in the way that Vegeta is of Dragon Ball Z. Like he is a, an anti-hero of a certain, of a very specific kind, which makes him very much one of the, like the best parts of any, of any team orchestra as we have been invoking this orchestra too much, maybe. But anyways, I'm kind of butthurt. I'm like legitimately butthurt about the Spencer Dinwiddie thing in a, it's hitting me in the feels, Mike. I don't like, I really wish that this would have been a season where he could have, um, yeah, like really ro- risen to like where he, where he should be in the conversation around the NBA, just in general. Like he, he's already kind of like top of mind as like a twinner entity and things like that. But I, I really wish that he had had, the chance to kind of just like shine on the national stage in the way that, that I think he, he could have. So yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to move past it as quickly as possible. I'm giving myself a little time to truly feel the deep butthurt that is seething inside my body right now. And the, also the thing that I liked about Spencer Dinwiddie is that as great as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are, they have been imported into this culture, the Nets culture, right? But Dinwiddie is like the shining example of Nets culture, of the Sean Marks, Kenny Atkinson Nets, right? The guy who, you know, he was he wasn't like a completely out of nowhere. Right? He was either a first round pick or like a late or an early second round pick, right? So like he has pedigree. Um, he actually had a an ACL tear in college, which is why you know he did fall a little bit in the draft. But you know, like the the Pistons cut him, the Bulls cut him like three times in two days or whatever it was, and he gets to the Nets. And him being on the Nets, it was him v. Yogi Ferrell. And I've talked about this many times, but I was pro-Yogi Ferrell, anti-Spencer Dinwiddie to begin with. And then Spencer showed a little bit, and then he came on our show mm-hmm. very early on. Yeah. We we grabbed a young Sp- – I think I got him through Facebook. I think it, that's how we were able to get him. Was Do like, you, yeah. Have you given any thought to this? I don't know if we've talked about this, but of the three – like semi-obscure Nets players that have ever been on the show, all three uh, are are as sort of rising to various levels of ascendancy in basketball. Do, do you think that we should begin to put out there into the into the media ecosystem that come onto the onto the glue guys? 
and uh, and guarantee your contract. We've had more than three. I, I know who you're thinking. You're thinking of Chioza and you're thinking of TLC. I didn't want to name names, but yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, want to name we've drop. also had Brooke Lopez on. I know, but he was already an established. Oh, okay. I'm just saying, like, you and know. Damari Carroll, <laughs> whose whose career has taken a nosedive. But they were established. Those were guys with contracts. I'm just saying, like, of the, of the dudes who are sort of, you know, yes. jobbers potentially. We are the Oprah of Brooklyn Nets podcast. If you exactly. come on our show, your book will get sold. Thanks. That's you will exactly become a bestseller right. if you come on to our show. And Spencer uh, is, and, is the best example of that. And uh, Damari Carroll's maybe uh, the James Fry of <laughs> Nets players. It doesn't count. Will. No, we've, we've had plenty of guests in general. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, deep end of bench guys who've come on. It's a very specific You're niche, right. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I wish maybe we should identify. I mean, I think we, I know Reggie Perry has been on Talking Nets, which is cool. You know, shouts to Talking Nets guy. Reggie Perry is the guy I'm identifying as the guy on the end of the bench who is eventually going to be good. Again, only because of his bone structure. Love his bone structure. Uh, but yeah, Din, Dinwiddie, it just sucks because like of like the original Nets, you know, if, if the Nets are Van Halen, uh, Dinwiddie maybe isn't Eddie Van Halen, but like. He's the other Van Halen. There's like a brother, right? Who is the drummer? Or I forget which one he is. But I'm not a big Van Halen guy. I don't even know why I tried to compare the Nets to Van Halen. I have no history with Van Halen. I was Halen drinking water and I like, heard you saying something about Van Halen. I was like, this can't be going yeah, well. Better come in. Better. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. um, it sucks. And so I think what we should do is talk about it more in like, of course, basketball terms. We will talk about lineup changes. Who's going to get more minutes? Um, maybe who the Nets should sign a point guard. And I have an idea of who that could be. I have a, a very familiar idea of who that could be, uh, which I will like and most people will like, I think. But um, we'll talk about that later. But any other final shouts, shots to Dinwiddie? I mean, nah, I mean, we can we're going to probably like chop up the, you know, the whole future of Spencer Dinwiddie and all that stuff. And I mean, there's going to be plenty of time for for that. But just wanted to give this moment, you know, just a little space to just kind of do a, a tip of the cap, you know, um, and, and feel some feelings, Mike, because again, yeah. this is a place where you can come to feel those feelings, not toxic masculinity. We, we all, we allow for that. We allow for that here. One more thing. It's just, I, oh, and I've okay. kind of, I, I was just like a little, I was excited to see how we would figure out his role. And we talked yeah. about, I'm just saying, I was excited to see. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's get down to being uh, cold, hard, and calculated, yes. Ryan. Yes. How do the Nets move on from this moment? So this let's is the get... role that Dinwiddie had in the two and a half games. Okay. He was a starter. Mm-hmm. He was getting starter minutes. Um, his role in, in and as a starter was like more of a defensive guard who would have to, sort of find his way on the offense. He was nothing was going to be called for him because he's playing with Durant and Kyrie Irving. How do the Nets account for us? Do they immediately put Karis LeVert in the starting lineup? And is it that simple or is Nash going to have a little bit more creativity? Can I push back on on one tiny thing about the no. the starter minutes? Concept? Absolutely not. No. Um cuz in the first game against Golden State he played 20 minutes and the second game against Boston played 29. Obviously, he left early after playing 15 minutes in um, last night's bout. So I don't know. It was kind of all over the place. And I wondered if those were going to be uh, the kind of starter minutes that often get get eaten into by uh, bench guys and so on and so forth. So anyways, I didn't the way that I see like a starter minute is like you're coming and you're playing at least 26 minutes a game. That's sort of where I put my my starter minute plus minus. Is that does that check out for you? Yeah, I think I think it would have evolved into like if Dinwiddie continued to not be super awesome, like he and like let's say Landry Shamit had a game though. Uh, I'm a little worried about my boy Landry, just a little bit. Um, oh for eight from three, 
uh, against the Hornets and Torian Prince. I mean, are we are we ready to get into no, that? Because no, I have no, no, not yet, not yet. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. just sprinkling that yeah. in because we'll talk. Brian mm-hmm. has some Torian Prince thoughts that no, he needs to get off his get off his chest, Ugh. his his supple chest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah. So I agree with you that 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 Dinwiddie wasn't like firmly ensconced. Mm-hmm. in as a starter and getting requisite starter minutes though he was a starter and he was getting yeah. plenty of minutes yeah. and blah blah, blah 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 okay so what what does steve nash do does he insert lavert into the starting lineup or do you think he's going to decide lavert is actually best as this super bench player and we should put someone like landry shamit in there or god forbid torian prince we've we've uh, got to break those two up that they cannot be sharing minutes together this is this is <laughs> i don't need i don't need any more of that that was uh that was making my skin crawl and look i you know i don't want to dog uh, shamit because he's been here for five minutes and you know is finding his way he had good energy you know he was like zipping around and you know, he's running hard and fast and, and trying to get to his spots. And like, I want that ball to go in for him. I got to say, Torian Prince shooting 9% from the field three games into the season, nine, <laughs> z- 0.091% from the field. Is that good? <laughs> With one rebound in the in 13 minutes. Anyways, I well, here's what no, I think. But, but be fair to him. He's shooting better from three than from, from the field. He's shooting a solid 12.5% from three, Brian. So I don't want to dog because, again, this is small sample size theater. And that's not <laughs> it's not fair to just be like, look, this guy's going to shoot 9% from the field this year. That's not right. But the thing with Torian is, uh, like, let me just, like, pull up his, I'm on ESPN Fantasy, where I get, where I get my stats from. Um, <laughs> this is true, by the way, for, for new listeners <laughs> of the show. Brian literally... His resource for st- statistics is ESPN Fantasy. I mean, you make it sound like it's fake news. I mean, that's they; those are the <laughs> they have the same statistics everywhere else. It's the same. It's just my it's my preferred UI UX for getting to getting to my spots. With that in mind, let me. This is the Outlook 2021 projection on Torian Prince. Let me just read the sentence to you and see if this see if this connects. Prince is a tough, defensive minded combo forward who slots in as a solid three and D option for the Nets this season. I, I need to push back on a couple things here. The three and the D. <laughs> the, 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 tough, the whole toughness and defensive mindedness. Like Torian Prince, again, I don't want to dog a guy. He's, his shot's not falling, blah, 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 blah. The energy is is like aggressively. It's annoyed. It's it's like it's pissed off to be there. Like, I don't know what's going on with the dude between the ears right now. But all he was doing last night was like pushing Bismack Biondo, Biombo in the back over and over again late on trying to like get into position for rebounds. And in one case, he hurt poor Hefe. He hurt poor, poor Hefe. He pushed Bismarck's- Hefe Verde. Hefe Verde. He, he pushed Bismarck's stupid elbows into precious Hefe. And that was it. That was the last straw for me. You can't do that. You cannot play dangerously with when Hefe's around. So um, anyways, this is all a big uh, meandering rant to just say that like, what's going on with Torian Prince? Uh, and also- is so here's the thing with to, all the way back to your original question who plays in the who slots into the starting lineup i i want to break them up i don't know if that means torian or shamit or like so they may not be long for the rotation if this if this keeps going on because tlc you know every time tlc hit one of his many felt like many many threes last night uh to to contribute to that late run um you know, Landry Shamit's butt should tighten, should tighten with everyone 
of those of those threes as they fall. Uh, Torian Prince to a lesser extent, but I don't know why his head isn't on the chopping block because the energy level is low. It is low. Mike, get this guy a cup of coffee. Let's go. I know. I know. And I was team Torian Prince is not that great at basketball last year, like pretty early on. And you hate to jump on like a, a dogging bandwagon, but it's he's making it hard, Mike. He's making it hard. He's making it super hard. And particularly because then Timothy Lualo Caparo comes off the bench. He has an energy about him. He's kind of like a little bit of a pissed off energy, which I appreciate because I think he believes he should be getting more minutes than Torian Prince. And I believe the only reason why Timothy Luwalu Cabarro is not getting as many minutes as Torian Prince is because Cabarro is making a million a year and Prince is making 13. And as egalitarian as Steve Nash is, it is still a consideration for any NBA head coach and NBA front office to give a guy who's making $13 million a year more leeway than a guy who isn't making any money because you've invested money into Torian Prince and they want to see... And we've talked about that. We talked about this in the preseason about Zach Lowe had Torian Prince as like one of his bounce back candidates. We're three games into the season. He's shooting 9% from the field. There's still a lot of season left. He should, law of averages, have a string of good games coming up. I don't think, I don't know, let me ask you this now. If you had to bet, would Torian Prince shoot 9% from the field for the rest of the season? No. But I just don't know why he's so pissed <laughs> off about it. Like, I don't, I don't know why. I, know. I don't, that's my own whole thing. Like, it would be fine to shoot 9%. I mean, it wouldn't be fine. It would trigger me. But it would be ultimately forgivable <laughs> <laughs> to shoot 9% from the field if he was doing anything else. But look at the rest of his stats. I mean, he's had all, in the on the entire season, he's had two, three rebounds. Three. Re- the guy's supposed to be like your defensive-minded 3 and D, like, hustle- guy and he hasn't contributed in any meaningful way in any stat category in the minutes that he's been given and like i think that tlc is playing pissed off because he's looking at torian prince and landry shamit and they're combined over a billion from the three-point <laughs> line and it's being like if why am i not getting these shots why am i not getting these shots my shot goes in i'm here i'm ready to like hit these shots yeah anyways but i guess anyways trying to trying to actually f- just just for a little con- so Cabarro comes in, basically basically didn't play most of the game at all, then comes in in the fourth quarter. He plays 12 minutes overall, scores 11 points. He was the fourth leading scorer against the Hornets last night. Of course, Durant and Irving, one and two. Joe Harris, three. And then Cabarro, in only playing 12 minutes, comes in four for four, three from three from from the three-point line. Uh, We have been on the TLC train. But yes, so... Yeah, it's easy. It's easy I, to do what we're doing. Like this is what people do when they watch games and they're not being like you know uh, objective and, and they're they're fair. just all in their, <laughs> and, and they're not being fair. They're just all in their feelings and uh, and so we're doing that right now. And that's that's all. That's probably because we lost an annoying game uh, that we didn't look good in, and also like one of our favorite players from the last five years. So we're we're a little upset. So you know, give us some space, guys. Here's what's happened in the first two games. The Nets blew out the Warriors and the Celtics, right? So. There should be space for the bench role players in the second team unit. Like, there's almost no excuse for them not to play like decently well. You know, I. But again, it's early. But like, they should be playing kind of well because the first two games were blowouts, and it's not like they needed to come in and like save the starters, right? Like, they were coming into a pretty cushy situation, and they just had to like maintain a lead. That's all they had to do. I. I know. And well, I think I think what we should truly do is to give Torian Prince a little more time. Right? Just I give know. Him a little I know bit that that's time. right, but 
It's hard, Mike. It's hard. How it's much? Hard. It's been years now. It's been years. I know. I know. And I, but I, here's what I have faith in. I have faith that Steve Nash, once he gives Torian Prince the proper amount of time to see if it truly could work or could not work, because I don't think we're, we're not making a determination yet. But I think once Nash does make that decision, like Marx is going to support him, and of like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to support the decision, because what could be more frustrating than throwing a pass to Torian Prince and then him, you know, continually missing and then him not providing really anything else on the floor. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's get back to the question at hand. I just, we, let's answer it as, as journalist, Brian. Yeah. Yes. Here's my prediction. Okay. I would think that Nash would not move Levert into the starting lineup because if he does, the backup bench units would have like no ball handling. Yeah. Landry Shamit would become the point guard or it's Chris Chioza, where yeah. if you insert Landry Shamit into the starting lineup, then like you, then your bench unit is still Levert as the dominant ball handler. Jeff Green, Jared Allen, then you put in Cabo along with Torian Prince. Then you have a pretty big bench unit um, who, you know, you're still be able to guard whoever you want. That's a lot of size on the wing. Maybe Bruce Brown gets resuscitated off the bench because technically Bruce Brown was a starter last year for the Pistons. And he is kind of the guy who ideally is who you would actually insert in the starting lineup, but considering he doesn't play basketball for the Nets, um, you're not going to immediately make him a starter. Chioza gets some minutes, our boy Chris Chioza. Um, But I, if I'm Steve Nash, I consider trying at first Shamit in the starting lineup. Then it just allows, then I have Kyrie, Shamit, Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan, Kevin Durant. I have maximum shooting, and it gives me still like ISO Karis Levert yeah. to run the second unit. Um, <clears throat> can I say something about ISO Karis Levert? Yes. It didn't look great last night, the ISO Karis Levert. And it didn't. <clears throat> it was a little bit responsible for a lot of what was what was sort of the problem with last night was uh, it was a lack of just giving Kevin Durant the ball and letting him completely, you know, resuscitate our, our, our stagnant 
offensive situation. I mean, that's not, I'm still not being fair. This is going to continue to just not be a, a <laughs> show, but I'm just going to say like, I think the, the parts of, of last night that weren't working well was like basically the entire thing. Uh, Charlotte just like basically had us figured out, at, I guess on defense or I don't know. But um, again, I'll point to like that second unit as a big part of the part of the issue and specifically Karras and Torian and Landry Shamit, obviously um, those latter two had conspicuously bad shooting nights. Fine. Karis Levert has uh, the, the tunnel vision situation with Karis Levert is, um, I don't know. Do you feel like this needs to change? I mean, I, I know that we talked about it. it when it was working against like Boston to a certain extent, I mean, he had kind of a, not a great game on paper with Boston, although, you know, he came in and scored sort of important buckets when where needed and, <clears throat> you know, did it in a stylish and, um, I don't know, a, a way that makes it seem like, oh, that's this is fine. He's doing well. Uh, last night, those were some hard won points uh, and none of them looked particularly uh, within the flow of, of any kind of meaningful offense. So uh, as a lead dude for the second unit, like, are, are we feeling that his ability to create the, the opportunities for your Torian princes and your Landry Shamans and your TLCs? Or do you feel confident that that's going to be a dynamic playmaker? Or is this just going to be like the, the Karis Levert show for better or worse. And when it's not working, you're going to maybe be down 10 with your second lineup in. Yeah. But I think like, okay, so it is clunky. I mean, clunky Karis. That's what we've always called him. You and I clunky Karis. We've often said um, that. Yeah. And, I mean, we really shouldn't go too far, though, with complaining about Karis LeVert as the lead ball handler. He, it is such a luxury to have him be like the Lou Williams of the Brooklyn Nets that I understand that his flow, like I had advocated in the past before Dinwiddie's injury, that Karis should be the one starting and Dinwiddie should be the bench offensive unit lead guy because Dinwiddie provides more of a typical offense, more pick and roll heavy, more... I'm going to actually get a pass to a guy as opposed to Karis, who's very much, I'm going to work ISO and try to get into the lane that way. Still, though, I don't, I cannot complain about Karis LeVert. He's going to have these games where he's four for 12 and not looking that great. He had four assists. Those assists should, that total should be way higher, though, because again, he played with Torian Prince, who was 0 for 5 from three, and he played with Landry Shamit, who was 0 for 8 from three, right? So, like, if those guys hit, if Torian Prince is two for five and Shamit is three for eight, he has a nine assist game. The Nets win and we all feel great about the world, even though Dinwiddie's hurt. So it's like, yes, he isn't a smooth ball handler in terms of like, he's going to get everyone their buckets, but he's still like an amazing bench piece and ama like an amazingly <clears throat> talented guy yeah. to be going against second units. I just... And I wonder, though, if he's just going to be inserted into the starting lineup because it's just like he's the best guy and he should be put in there. Or if Nash is going to have some consideration for, like, what balances our team the best. Well, you know, know what? Here, here's It goes back into rehabilitative justice or punitive justice. <clears throat> and, you know, we're uh, a pair of communists. And so I think we believe in rehabilitation. <laughs> That's a, I'm just kidding. A rehabilitative justice. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to be labeled a, a communist at this point. Okay, well, Mike's a commie. I'm I'm yeah. uh, a tycoon, a railroad tycoon player competitively, and you're Max Lord from 
Wonder Woman 1984, which I know you didn't watch. I, I watched the first half of that and oh, good <clears throat> and had to shut it off and discuss, but I did watch the first <laughs> half. Um, <laughs> but if you're a believer in rehabilitative justice, rehabilitative, um, you may be okay with Torian Prince getting inserted into that starting lineup and seeing if he doesn't benefit from a lot of the attention that Kyrie Irving. What are Irving, you doing right now? That are Kyrie you advocate- Irving. <laughs> And Kevin Durant you advocated to bury Torian Prince. Okay, and now you want to start him. Listen to me. Listen, hear me out. I it's I want to bury him I because that's my dare. that's my that's the devil on my shoulder being like, you don't get to have bad you shoot nine percent like you're done. Get out of here. That's the Bobby Knight. And then on the other hand, I have Phil Jackson, who's just like, brother, you just need a little change of scenery, man. And like, if you play with some 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 dope ball players, everything's gonna be fine. And if Torian Prince is starting for your Brooklyn Nets, I'm going to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge, not only naked, but I'm going to have but, but marshmallow Spike, cream. Don't you see the, what I'm trying know. to say? Basically, he is too prominently positioned in the second unit. He needs to be buried on the starting lineup. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to be buried in terms of that. And, then, and it will Dude, probably benefit oh his God. productivity. It's a, Do you know how visibly frustrated Durant and Irving would be if Torian Prince was performing the it way would, he has. I'm saying give him the chance to like, it, it, here's what it is, right? You, at that point you've been given every opportunity, right? You, you sucked in the, in the second lineup. You are moved to the starting lineup after a prominent injury to give it a try and see if that doesn't affect your productivity, your upper shot opportunities, general energy level, blah, blah, blah. We've done everything right by you. If you still suck, then you get to be banished to the shadow realm forever. That's that's <laughs> fair in my mind. That's fine. Rehabilitative justice didn't work. You're still a serial killer. You have to go to jail. That's fine. Uh, we have to go pretty soon, but he, okay. real quick, quick thoughts, okay? So, again, I don't know what Nash is going to do. I would try Shaman as a starter just so I can leave Levert because you're lacking ball handling seriously from your bench. Guys who get do get more minutes though is Cabarro. Timothy Luella Cabarro will get more minutes because obviously he's not Dinwiddie, but everything kind of shifts around. He's going to get more minutes. Tyler Johnson's probably going to play more for this team, or it could be Bruce Brown or Chris Chioza. I mean, they have some options. They know the perfect options, which gets me to my final point before we go. Mm-hmm. The Nets technically only have two point guards because Tyler Johnson is more of a combo guard. Kyrie is a point guard, and Chris Chioza friend of the show, Chris Chioza. Mm-hmm. Do the Nets need to sign a point guard? There was even talk before Dinwiddie's injury that the Nets maybe want to add a point guard in some way. I have one name for you, Brian, mm-hmm. okay, that that could be intriguing. Shoot. That that I think Nets fans would maybe like. I'm ready. Know. I'm eager. Go ahead. Jeremy Lin. <laughs> Jeremy Lin. Okay? He, he wow. has, he's been training with the, like the G League select team. <laughs> which is filled with all those high school prospects who are, instead wow. of going to college, are doing this one year in the G League. Uh, he played in the Chinese Basketball Association. The last time he played in the NBA, he became an NBA champion with wow. your Toronto Raptors. He tried to sign with the Golden State Warriors G League team, but was unable to for some contractual reason with hmm. his old work with the Chinese Basketball Association. I haven't dove deep enough into that to really fully understand the implications of it. But Nets need a point guard. Potentially, uh, they they will probably do some uh, roster machinations to, you know, th- th- there'll be some like disabled player exception. They'll get some money, ability to sign someone for some money. They'll get an open roster spot. Jeremy Lin, if healthy, 
um, could actually be the kind of guy that maybe you'd want to sign. And I will say it, maybe this is whatever. Joe Sy loves Jeremy Lin. Joe Sy loves Jeremy Lin. And um, <laughs> there was like, remember there was some kerfuffle about like the Nets PR staff tweeted something about, oh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson got hurt at a Jeremy Lin charity game when Rondé was on the net still. And the Nets basically blamed the charity game that Jeremy Lin was putting on for that injury. And they had to clean it up. <laughs> and I think the implication was that like Josiah was literally mad that Jeremy Lin was being blamed for Rondé Hollis Jefferson's injury. It depends. What was going on at the charity game? I mean, like were, were they lube wrestling you yeah. know uh, <laughs> what was yeah was there like a, a jiggly pit? jello wrestling yeah. <laughs> no it was a it was a basketball game yeah. and, and ronde got hurt in the midst of this basketball game not like seriously but like somewhat hurt i remember josai likes jeremy lynn and josai is the owner of the basketball team i'm not even saying it's a bad basketball i'm just saying like there's a lot of tentacles here mike i'm may wrap themselves around jeremy lynn i'm sad that you have a hard out in three minutes because I would take all of those three minutes to just dump all over that idea, you know, <laughs> but, but it doesn't seem like a bit, the thing with Give Jeremy, me 30 seconds of dumping <laughs> the thing that I, I mean, like Jeremy Lin, the, the whole experience is, um, I can't believe you're wishing that uh, on this podcast again in, <laughs> I can't believe you're doing that, but for a whole different set of reasons, there's that. And then the most important one is that isn't like, has Jeremy Lin not done himself a massive disservice by kind of like, very, I I don't have like a, a visual memory of this, but I have like a feeling memory of just like being on camera and like kind of being openly butthurt about not playing or not having an NBA career and all this stuff. Just like doing kind of a pity party situation. Did that not happen? I feel like I, that happened. And this is not a rhetorical exercise. I'm actually asking. I think he was being honest with his feelings. He's being. And we're, we're not being toxic. Are you accusing me of being toxic right now? You're being oh, a little toxic. God. A little toxic, Brian. We only have one more minute for you to wrap up your toxicity. Anyways, the real toxic thing is to bury your boy cheese like this, like to snub, (laughs) to snub cheese in the way that you're doing. I think think Chris Chiozzi would help. I mean, okay. We didn't even talk about the Hornets game and we'll talk about, I mean, the Nets have another game tonight. Yeah. Who cares? Forget the Hornets game. I mean, we'll have an answer about who's starting in like eight hours or three hours or whatever this is. So anyways, but thank you all for listening. You know, most of this was about uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, you know, Thoughts, thoughts to you. We're just, That's you know, it's an airing of grievances episode. Got to get one out of the way. You know, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Brian both wants to bury Torian Prince and then start him at the same time. <laughs> As a means to- And I want Jeremy Lin. So where are we? <laughs> to either. Yeah. Anyways, we're confused. All right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, uh, five stars. We want them. We need them. We got to have them. Reviews, please. Thanks, everybody. Bye.